Hello, and welcome to Birth of Family Church Podcast. We trust that you'll find an encouraging word to strengthen your walk with the Lord. And if you're visiting the area, or if you're looking for a good church home, come check us out at birthedfamilychurch.org. There you can find our location and service times. Thanks again for tuning in. God bless. Well, good evening, everybody. This is Birthed Family Church, and tonight is Healing School. So let's get our Bibles out, let's roll up our sleeves, and let's get into the Word of God. We've been on a subject matter for a while, which seems to be normal around here, at least when we're teaching, uh, entitled Four Steps to Receiving Our Healing. We've been on this last step now for a while, and that's because it's probably the, the area that we miss it the most. So we're taking some extra care in getting this down. Step number four is to believe you receive your healing when you pray. Let's go ahead and ask the Lord to help us tonight. Father, we thank you that your book is spiritual. For you spoke words from your heart, and men penned it. And now, as we hear your word, the Holy Spirit then transposes it into spiritual form to come into our spirits. We claim that we have the spirit of wisdom and revelation tonight, and that we know for that unction and that anointing upon us by the teacher is causing your truth to be made known unto us that we cannot simply just believe it, but we can access it and cause it to come to life in our life. We thank you for it, Father, tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. So, step number four is to believe that you receive when you pray. Let's find that scripture that gives us that uh, truth. That would be Mark 11, uh, verse 24. And this is Jesus teaching on faith after he demonstrated his faith by speaking to the fig tree. The disciples were curious. He began to explain how faith works. And so here in verse 24 of Mark 11, he's telling us how faith works when we pray. He says, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So the question I'd like to start in... Uh, the question I want to ask you tonight is what did Jesus say that you and I can have according to this verse 24? He says, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. So exactly what did Jesus say we can have when we pray? Think about it. What did he say? Now, most people will answer that question. Well, he says, I can have whatsoever I desire. And that's not what he said. He says, what things, so, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, then you have them. In this verse, Jesus is saying, you can have whatever you believe you receive when you pray. 
Did you get that? <laughs> Did you get that? that? That's a huge difference than just praying and believe he heard you and believing you receive when you pray. And that's where most people miss it. Now, since the manifestation of our faith is not always instantaneous, when you pray and ask for healing, it doesn't always happen immediately. Therefore, the, the moment that we pray, we're required to believe that we have or have received our healing, whether there's any physical evidence or not. You hear what I said? We're required to believe we have something that we cannot validate with our physical senses. So the, the question is, how, how, how am I able to do that? See, that's the hurdle. The hurdle for us as believers is that we have a difficult time when we contradict our physical senses. We've been living our entire lifetime on this earth being very much dependent on what we see, dependent on what we hear, what we touch, what we taste. Amen? We, we, this, the, the senses that God gave us to operate in our physical body help us navigate in a physical realm. And then when we have to abandon what we see and believe something contrary to what we see, that so let's believe I receive something from him. That if we ask, and that's prayer, isn't it? Prayer is asking. So he's saying that when we pray or ask anything according to his will, what does he do? What is his response? It says that he hears us. Now understand, don't get tripped up by about praying according to his will. His will is simply his published Bible, or we could say the Bible is the published will of God. We never have to question whether it's the will of God for us to be healed because he's documented in the word of God that surely it is. By whose stripes ye were healed. Amen. And in various multiple places, we can substantiate it's the will for everyone to be on the earth to be healed by the power of God in the same way that everyone is the will of God to be saved. You got that? We are as saved as we are healed according to what God has said in the word of God. So when we pray according to the word of God, which is the will of God, we know that he hears us. Why is that significant? Because in the next verse it says, if we know, notice it doesn't say hope or if. No, it says that we know that he hears us, then whatever we have asked of him, we know that we what? We have. If we ask him, According to the word of God. And when you're asking for healing, that is the will of God. We just talked to someone recently. And the question was asked of this person, do you believe it's the will of God for you to be healed? And this individual didn't know. Well, then you can't pray by faith if you don't know the will of God. And if you can't pray the prayer of faith, then you're not going to receive anything from the Lord. Amen? So look here. It says that whatsoever we ask, we know we have something. What do we have? We have what we ask for. In this case, we believe that we have or we have received 
our healing. So once we pray, we have what we ask for. We believe that because we've asked according to what God said. This is why we are required to believe we have what we ask for according to these two verses. For example, if I ask for healing for my body, I have to believe that I receive my healing before I see any physical evidence of healing manifesting in my body. The trouble is that many believers who are sick and are prayed for don't receive their healing for this simple reason. They're not willing to abandon what they see. They're looking for physical evidence to prove they're healed before they'll believe that they're healed. But if, if you see healing, then there's no need to believe for it anymore, is it? So that's, they're, they're just completely eliminating uh, operating and receiving from God with their heart. Listen to what I said. Most people, when you pray for them for healing, they're waiting for physical evidence to prove that they're healed. Many times when, when I've ministered healing to someone and Jesus said, if I'll lay hands on that person, they shall be healed, they shall recover, I'm instantly believing that healing power is working in them according to God and the word of God. They are now healed in Jesus' name as a spiritual truth and reality, but I see them going to their body to see if the pain is gone, to see if the symptoms have left. And so they, they are not walking by faith, they're walking by sight. Look over here in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Just understand that this kind of believing, believing what you see, believing on what you feel, believing in physical evidence, in doing that, will never receive from the Lord. Because that's not faith. That's walking by sight. Look what he says in 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. Now understand that when you see this word faith, make sure that you always see faith as being in harmony with the word of God. Because faith comes by hearing the word of God. So when you have the word of God, you have faith. And when you have faith, it's based on the word of God. So we can substitute the word faith here with the word of God. Look how this, how this scripture changes. It says that we walk by the word of God and not by what we see. You see that? See, a lot of people will say that, well, faith is blind. Uh, no, that, that might be what the world says. That might be what religion says, but that's not what the Bible says. Faith is the evidence of what God has said. Faith is the reality of what God has said. So we walk by what God says and not what our physical senses are telling us. So when I pray and ask for healing, 
Once I've asked according to the word of God, now my trust is now in what he says and not in what I see. And I have to abandon that temptation to focus on what is seen or felt and not putting my focus on the word of God. Our actions of believing that we receive our healing is based solely upon what God said. When we pray according to his will, he hears me, and when he hears me, I know I have what he's promised me. For this is the confidence that we have in him. Amen. Well, I want to use a, a natural example of what we're talking about. Because you and I abandon what we see all the time. For example, I, I remember uh, getting a job with a, with, a, with a big corporation. And when I sat down at the desk there, you know, with the people, with the powers that be, I'm coming in as a new employee, and they say, well, this year you're going to have two weeks vacation. Here, just, just look at the calendar here. Tell me what two weeks you're going to have, and there you go. You got two weeks vacation. Well, I pick my days of the month that I want to go on vacation, and I have no physical evidence that I have vacation. Yet I'm planning for a vacation based solely on what some person I just met told me. Why am I preparing for a vacation that I can't see? How do I know that when that day comes that, yes, I'm going to have a paid vacation? There's no evidence other than what the man told me. We, we do it all the time. I like to use this example. This is my flat tire example. Has anyone ever heard the flat tire example before? <laughs> You've heard it? Maybe I should have you tell it. I wouldn't be surprised you could tell it better than me. <laughs> so I'm out driving around in my car, and lo and behold, I get a flat tire. So I pull over, open the trunk, and guess what? There's no tire, or at least one that has hair in it. And there was one car I drove for decades and never had a spare tire in it. Thank goodness I never had to live this example. And so I need a, I need a spare there's no spare in the car. So I get on my phone and I call my wife and I say, hey, hon, there's a spare tire in the garage. Can you grab that and bring it to me? I'm at such and such a place. And she says, yes. Now, at that moment, do I have a spare tire? Well, I, I can't see a spare tire. But according to her word, I have a spare tire. See, I'm taking the word of a person and I no longer am stressed out in the car because I believe what she said, therefore I have a spare tire. Someone may pull up next to me and say, hey, what's wrong? I got a flat. Well, do I need to take you to town? Well, no, I've got a, I've got a spare tire. I've got a tire coming. Well, the driver might say, well, I don't see a tire. What do you mean you have a tire? Well, my wife says she's bringing the tire from the house. 
See how we do it all the time? I was thinking about going to the bank and depositing money, hard-earned money, into the bank. But how do you know it's going to be there when you come back? You don't have any real evidence, do you? No, you're just, you're just counting on their reputation. You're just counting on it happened before, so maybe it'll happen again. But again, you have no physical evidence that that money's going to be there when you get back. All through life, we do this. Now, the Lord is expecting us to do that in receiving from him. So that's exactly how faith works. We go to his word. We ask him for what he's promised us, or I dare say, he's already provided for us. Then we believe we have it once we ask when we prayed. And from that moment forward, then faith becomes our evidence that we have our healing. The word of God now becomes our evidence. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. See, the, the word of God now is our evidence. When this person asked me where my spare tire, my evidence is what my wife had said. That's what I'm believing. Well, how can you say you're healed when you don't feel healed, you don't look healed? Well, the word of God is my evidence. What God said to me is my evidence. And that's what I'm believing. I'm believing in what he said. That's walking by faith and not by sight. Now, last week, we got to this place where we were talking about James chapter 2. In fact, go on over there, James 2, 17. And I thought that we needed, it seemed to my heart that we needed to spend some more time in this area that faith requires corresponding actions. You see, there's going to be a period of time when you and I say amen, and we believe we receive our healing, until it finally manifests in our body. Just like a seed. You plant a seed, you make sure the seed is germinated by the care you have of that seed, and then you've got to wait before you see the evidence of that plant being pushed out from that seed out of the soil where you can actually see it. And remember, Jesus said that our faith is as a, as a mustard seed. So what do I do from the time that I say amen and I believe I receive my healing until it's manifested? And I don't have to believe anymore that I receive. Now I have it as a physical fact when before it was just a spiritual fact. Well, faith requires corresponding actions, or could I say evidence of what you and I believe. Look here in James 2, 17. It says, even so faith, reading from the King James, even so faith, if faith does not have works, it's dead, or dare I say unproductive being alone. You see, faith not only needs a, a belief, but then our actions have to correspond or agree with what we believe. 
in order for me to enjoy my wife bringing my, my spare tire, I didn't have to just believe that she was on her way. But then when I was asked where my tire was, what I said was corresponding to what I believed. And by me patiently waiting for her to show up is my faith in action. That's a corresponding action. I'm waiting based on what she said. And then I receive when she shows up. So the faith that produces results is always accompanied by outward evidence of what we believe. You see, I, I can't believe one thing and then act a different way. Do you get that? We have to have corresponding actions in what we believe. Let's look at some biblical examples of people with corresponding actions to receive healing in their body. Go over to Acts chapter 14. Acts chapter 14. Go down to verse 8. Acts 14.8. I thoroughly enjoy this portion of Scripture because it's, it's so identifies faith in action. It says that there was a certain man at Lystra, and he was impotent in his feet. That means he's crippled. He had been a crippled from his mother's womb. Well, therefore, this man had never walked. Now look at verse 9. The same... And that would be this man that Paul was preaching. What was Paul preaching? He was preaching the gospel. What is the gospel? It's the good news of Jesus Christ. What is that good news? Jesus saves. Jesus delivers. Jesus heals. And that was preached emphatically. You understand what I'm saying? If you call upon the name of the Lord, you're going to be saved. And if you believe for healing, you're going to be healed. No ifs, ands, or buts. So this man heard Paul speak the gospel. Now what happens when you and I hear the gospel? What happens when you and I hear the word of God? I'm talking about from its purest state, from the Bible. Well, it tells us, in Romans 10, 17, that faith comes by what? Hearing the gospel and hearing by the word of God. So this man was hearing the word of God. So what was he, what is happening to him? He has that ability to now have faith. Because he heard the word of God. Notice what happens here. The same heard Paul speak who steadfastly beholding him or looked at him, he perceived that this crippled man had what? Faith to be healed. Now remember, every word seed produces after its own kind. And if I'm going to have faith for healing, I've got to have scriptures that I hear that are about the will of God for me to be healed. I can't be studying on another subject matter, like being led by the Spirit of God, and then expect for me to have faith for healing. 
No, if I hear scripture about how I'm led by the Spirit of God, now I have faith to be led by the Spirit of God. Every word seed produces after its own kind. And this is why millions of churches never see anything happen in their services or amongst their people because they're not giving them a word about a particular subject that gives them faith to receive. So if they don't preach on healing, they don't have healings. If they don't preach on salvation, they don't have any salvations. Amen? And so if I want fruit in my own life of healing and vitality and strength and length of days, what, what, what do I have to expose myself? The word of God concerning the healing of my body. Pretty simple, right? So this man needs, this man needs healing. It wouldn't surprise me that, that Paul, by the Holy Spirit, began speaking to him specifically, knowing what he needed, and he, from the word, gave him that potential to have faith. And so now he hears the word of God concerning healing, and the Bible says that Paul saw now that he's got faith to be healed. So look what has just happened. This man, under the sound of the word of God, hearing Paul speak, he heard that it was the will of God for him to be healed. So now he has faith to be healed. But did, did you ever think about that here's a man that has faith to be healed, but at this point of this testimony, he's not healed. Sometimes we have this idea that when you have faith for something, then it automatically becomes yours. And, and that's not true. Well, why not? Because faith needs corresponding actions. You, can, you and I can have faith for something and still not have it in our life. Because we have to, remember we talked about this last week, we have to activate our faith. We can have a dormant faith. We need to have faith not as a noun, but as a verb. So we are the ones who activate our faith. So I said it this way, faith must be acted upon. Faith must be released. Faith must be expressed. Because faith without corresponding actions is unproductive. Now, Paul, knowing this, said something to give this person an opportunity to activate the faith that he had for healing. Look at verse 10. Paul said, with a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. Now understand what Paul is saying. You start, you start to see that there was faith happening on both sides of this transaction. Paul is telling someone who's been crippled since his mother's womb to do something that he's never done before. Stand up. Now, how many people in that audience was thinking to themselves, this guy Paul has lost his mind? Right? He's talking to somebody 
that's never walked, and now he's telling him to stand up. Some people might have been tempted to jump up and say, oh, you cruel man, why are you telling him to do something he can't do? That's disrespectful. And what about the crippled man? He, he could have said, oh, preacher, I guess you haven't been around here very much. You're kind of new to town. Hey, you might not know this, but I'm crippled, and I've never walked in my life. That's not what the man said, and that's not what the man did. He acted and did in correspondence to what he believed. Remember, the Bible identified him as having faith to be healed, meaning that he saw himself walking. He saw himself free from that condition. He's the faith, with faith, with the knowledge and the belief in the word of God, it begins to paint a picture of what God has provided for you. And so Paul, wanting to activate his faith with corresponding actions, he tells him to stand upright on his feet, and this man leaped and walked. Now some would say, well, God lifted him up. No, he didn't. He had to make some kind of an effort to get up and as he was corresponding to his faith and, and began to attempt to stand up, that's when the power of God was released and, and, co and cooperated with the faith that he had. And it says he leaped and he walked. Now we see the same thing with the woman with the issue of blood. Going over to Mark chapter 5, verse 25. It says that there was a, a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, verse 26. She suffered many things under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. How many know this is a hopeless situation? How many know it looks like she's never going to be healed? How many know that many people have said to her, even ex experts in the field, that she'll never be free from this disease? But look what happens. Something wonderful happened in verse 27. It says that she heard the reports about Jesus. The King James simply says that she heard of Jesus. What do you suppose she heard? Exactly. They heard, she heard what he was saying. He, she heard the word of God. and then came up behind him in a crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If I shall touch even his garment, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of that disease. And Jesus said in verse 34, Daughter, your faith. Whose faith? 
your faith. It didn't say the faith of Jesus. It didn't say the faith of the disciples. It didn't say, oh, it's just the, the, the never know when the sovereign power of God is going to move. No, her faith made her well. Notice the progression here. First, faith came into her heart. How? She heard about Jesus. So she knew the will of God concerning her. <clears throat> she knew the word of God for her to be healed. But that faith was dormant. She had to have corresponding actions. Notice, number two, she then acted on what she believed. What did she do? She said, while she was still bleeding, she said, all I got to do is touch his garment and I will be made whole. Many times, corresponding actions are what we say. <clears throat> Remember what Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three. 23. He says, you shall have whatsoever you sayeth if you believe what you're saying is coming to pass. Then what did she do? She then acted on what she said. She went and touched the garment of Jesus. You got to understand that the whole time from when she heard about Jesus until that point that she touched Jesus, she had corresponding actions of what she believed. She was saying what she was believing and her actions proved what she believed. She didn't sit in her house and say, well, someday Jesus is going to come by and heal me. No, she went to Jesus based on what she said. Then and only then did she receive from her faith. You see how faith came, but then did you see you have to have corresponding actions with that faith that came? Most believers put things in reverse. First, they ask for healing. Then they want to receive the healing in their body, have evidence of it. Then they're going to believe that they're healed. We've got to believe we have something after we pray before we'll ever have it in the natural seen realm. Let's look at another example. Let's look at the nobleman. John chapter 4, verse 46. John 4, verse 46. So Jesus came to Cana of Galilee. That's where he made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. Now, I'm, I'm not exactly sure how far away um, Cana of Galilee was from Capernaum, but I'm thinking like it's at least a day's walk. Verse 47. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son. Now, you understand that he traveled to get to Jesus and left his son that was sick at home. And he's seen Jesus personally. And he says, I want you to come down. I want you to come down to where my house is and I want you to pray for my son so he can be healed. 
Look what Jesus said in verse 48. He's about to explain what most Christians are like. Then said Jesus unto him, except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. That kind of sounds like Thomas, doesn't it? He says, unless I see the prince in his hands and, and, and thrust my hand to, into his side, I will not believe. And that's where many of us are. We're so captivated and so controlled by what we see that we, we have to get to that place where we stop looking at the, that which is seen and start going by what we see in our heart according to the word of God. Now Jesus begins to prepare him to believe by not going with him. Now what did this man ask? He says, I want you to come down and pray for my son. Now most people get so fixated on how they think God is going to bring their healing that they get so narrow-minded then God has no other ways to get that healing power to them because they're fixated on one way. Look what Jesus says. Well, first the nobleman is continuing to plea. Verse 49. The nobleman said unto him, Sir, come down ere my child die. Jesus said unto him, Go your way, your son liveth. Now understand that at that moment in time, Jesus said, your son lives. This nobleman had what? No evidence of that being true. In fact, he had already set his mind that the way that his son was going to be healed is if Jesus came to his house personally. Now it's, it, we're, we're hearing a testimony that's likened unto the centurion where the centurion, who has great faith, Jesus says, I'll come and heal your servant. And the, and, the, and the centurion says, you don't even need to go. Just speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. And that is what is now expectant of this nobleman. I'm not coming. It's the, it's the plan of God for me to go to this particular place now, not to turn around and go all the way to your house. So he spoke his word and said, your son liveth. Now this guy has to make a choice. And I, am I going to believe what this guy is saying? Because I've already pictured in my mind him being in my house and laying his hands on my son. Am I to come all this way and then go back home without Jesus? Now you got to understand, this is a nobleman. This is a guy of means. This is someone that's not used to having someone say, no, we're not going to do it your way. We're going to do it my way. You've been around guys like that? Sometimes I am that guy. Anyway, um... <clears throat> Right now, what's Jesus saying? I'm 
requiring you to believe without seeing. Man, that's, that's a place that you and I need to get to. That's when we have great faith. Great faith is like Peter stepping out of the boat because Jesus said, come. That's great faith. Jesus is requiring this guy to base his next corresponding actions by going home simply because Jesus said, your son liveth. Now the ball's in this nobleman's court, right? He's either going to believe what Jesus said or he's not going to believe it. Verse 50, And the man believed the word. That's the de definition of great faith. You take a scripture, you believe it to the degree that you take it personally. And you choose not only to believe what it says, but then you, you choose to have corresponding actions that confirm that you believe what it says. So if this man believed the word, then what did he need to do in order to have corresponding actions? If he believed what Jesus said, what was required now of him to do? What's going to be his corresponding actions to be evidence to what he believes? Or a dependency on what he believed. He had to say, see you, Jesus, and he needed to go home. If he had continued to plead his case, he would have been in a place of unbelief. And the words of power that Jesus spoke to him would have fallen to the wayside. Do you know how many times that's happened to me? That you believe something. I got it. And then you're like Peter. You get halfway across to Jesus. And then you begin to doubt. And your change. And then you get into that place saying, Oh, I'm dying. I'm drowning. You, are, are you hearing me tonight? See, we're all prone to do this. We're all prone to, to, to abandon our corresponding actions because of the pressure of what we see and what maybe what we've experienced for so long in that same area, thinking, well, this isn't working, this isn't working. Yes, it is working. It's God's word. It's impossible for him to lie. And there's all the power necessary in that word to create what you're believing. Because he breathed that power into the word when he spoke it, when you heard it, and now that you're acting on it, that power is activated. 
So think about this. This man had to believe after Jesus said that. He had to believe from that moment all the way walking home or however he was traveling that day from home. He had to go all the way back with thoughts saying, he's probably dead now. You should have brought Jesus. See, the devil's always going to come with doubt. Why? Because you have your miracle. And he's got to get you to start looking at the waves of the sea. He's got to get you to start looking at the circumstances. He's got to get you to start looking at what happened the last time you tried this. And to get you to contradict what you believe, to change your corresponding actions. But obviously this man stayed true all the way home. And as he was going down, verse 21, his servants met him. So apparently they were coming up to see him and told him, saying, Your son liveth. Then he inquired of them the hour where he began to amend. You notice, you notice that wasn't instant, is it? He began to recover. See, everybody wants things instantly. No, he began to amend. They said unto him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. And then that man, because of his corresponding actions, knew that was the moment that he believed his word. And that's when the miracle began. But he maintained that miracle all the way down until he had the physical evidence that what he believed had come to pass. You see, the nobleman had to continue to believe his son was healed according to the word of Jesus before he had physical evidence of what he believed. Years ago, as I was learning the, the principles of faith and learning how to contradict my senses and how I felt, There was a day where I woke up, and you got to understand, I was just cutting my teeth on this. I was just learning how to do things. A lot of things I was just doing out of a formula. Well, now you do this, and well, now you do that. But that's how you learn. Woke up one morning, and oh my goodness, I don't know if I had a flu. I don't know what the what the condition was in my body, but I had a fever. I just felt horrible. I was throwing up. And so I got my Bible out and uh, read a verse, and I went ahead and prayed according to Mark eleven twenty four. What things whoever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. And I went ahead and prayed, according to Mark eleven twenty four. according to by his stripes I am healed, and I asked the Lord to heal my body. Well, after I said amen, I still had a fever. 
I, I still felt sick. I was still throwing up. And I'm just sitting there at home going, what do I do now? I prayed. I believe I received. And apparently it didn't seem like anything was happening. So I'm just sitting there considering it. And all of a sudden on the inside, I don't know if it was my spirit. I don't know if it was the Holy Spirit. I was asked a question. What do you believe? And I said, well, I, I believe I received my healing. Then I heard this. Then why aren't you going to work? Now, I'm not telling anyone else to do this. Because it's probably not good to take your sickness to work and let everybody else catch it. But I'm just telling you my story and my desire to learn how this works. And I thought to myself, what do you mean, go to work? I'm, I have all these symptoms. This is going on. And on the inside, I heard, if you believe you receive your healing, healed people go to work. So I got my lunch pail. It was more than a pail. My wife used to make these lunches that were just unbelievable. I'd come home bigger than I went to work. Anyway, I took my lunch pail, and that day we were out just working on that 40 acre south of Sprague Avenue. We're putting up fence to, to put our horses in that, in that 40 acre lot. And for like two hours, I'm sweating because I got a fever. I'm throwing up. And they're saying, you need to go home. You need to go home. And I said, no, nah, I believe I received my healing. Well, I lasted about almost two and a half, three hours. And finally, I was to the place where I just was no good whatsoever. So I told the boys, yeah, you're right. I'm going to go home. And so I went home. Now, some would have thought, well, that was a failure. You prayed. You believed you received. You went to work. You had corresponding actions. But yet you went home early from work because of those symptoms. Well, you know, faith has to have time to grow. And yes, we have to feed our spirit with the word of God. But then you've got to act on what you believe also to get it to grow. And so that day, I was contradicting what I was experiencing, what I was seeing, what I was feeling, all the discomfort. I would rather have been in bed, but I was out there at work. Why? Because I believed something. And by taking that step of faith, my faith grew tremendously that day. And the next time that happened, 
and I prayed, believed I received, and went to work, I never did come home that next time. If there hadn't been the first time and seemingly failed, the second time my faith was at a place where it was more effectual and the healing was, was, was accelerated quicker. And some, some, sometime during that day at work, all the symptoms were gone. So there's times that you and I have to push the envelope a little bit. But do it from the inside. Don't just do it to do it. Well, pastor did this, I'm going to do that. No, I heard in my heart, what are you doing home? I was led, I believe, to go to work believing I received. And that helped to develop my faith so the next time I didn't come home when I went to, the, went to work sick because my faith was at that place. And since then, I don't know if I can count five times. I'm not bragging on me. I'm bragging on God's word. I don't know that there's been five times in, in 40 years that I haven't, I've missed work because of sickness. Because you get to the place where your faith becomes effectual. And that sickness dries up and leaves. Amen? But you have to have corresponding actions. There has to be proof. Do you remember that time that this crippled man had four crazy friends? And they heard about Jesus, and so they went to that meeting where they couldn't get in. And so they decided to climb up on the roof, move the tiles off the roof, and to drop this cripple down in the midst of Jesus. Did you, did you know what that scripture said? What Jesus' remark was? He looked at them and said, he saw their faith. To see somebody's faith is there has to be corresponding actions to see. You and I need to get to a place where people can see our faith. Not to draw attention to ourselves, but you know what I'm saying? That yeah, I know this is how the circumstance looked, but I'm going to believe God's word. And I'm going to act like I believe it. Have corresponding actions so that my faith can be effectual. Father, we thank you tonight for this substance of faith. Faith that caused us to receive salvation it's the same faith that receives answers to prayer. It's the same faith that brings healing to our body. Help us to see that we can trust your word. We can believe your word. We can act solely upon your word without any physical evidence and receive from you what you purchased for us 
2,000 years ago. You said, Jesus, that if we'd pray according to your word, and if we would dare to believe we receive, that if we dare to believe I have my healing now without any evidence, you said then we would have it. Thank you. Thank you for the truth of your word. Thank you with the confidence that if we'll walk on the water according to your word, we receive from you every time. Thank you for your faith. The faith that receives. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thanks for coming out, guys.